You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. All right, I am, as I told Pastor Kobernack, I said, I am not a preacher, I'm a teacher. Uh, and, and there have been a lot of amazing men that have stood in this pulpit, him being one of them. Uh, he's an amazing man. And, uh, but the, the great thing is, we're all just men. The one that we want to represent is Christ. Amen. And so uh, as, as we look at these different thoughts, um, you know, I first want to say thank you so much to Brother Bybee, Pastor Coburnett, just what great friends they've been. Uh, for the last couple of years, I took over. So my dad was the administrator at Wilson Christian for 15 years. Um, I said I'd never work for him. I did. Uh, and then about eight years ago, I said, I'll never do what you do. And I am. Uh, the Lord kind of laughed a little bit at that. And so it is very near and dear to my heart, the raising of young people. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. And it's not, those of you that are grandparents, the raising of these young people is not done. Yet, I'm going to share with you some, uh, some statistics that, that I was reading uh, from some research, and it's just it's stunning uh, in our churches. So, first of all, thank you so much for the opportunity to share. Uh, teachers that are here from Victory Baptist, sorry that you've got a Victory Christian, sorry that you have to hear me again. Uh, you had to hear me a couple times this morning, but uh, we had a couple of our other teachers come over, and they did a wonderful job. Uh, so, we just we thank you so much for the, the partnership, really, that we have with Wilson Christian and, and Victory Christian. Uh, but first of all, as, as we get into this, uh, my wife and I, we have four young children, and so I do not claim to be an expert at parenting. Uh, as you all know, we learn a lot through the mistakes we've made, right? Uh, I've got a 10-year-old boy, an 8-year-old boy, a 5-year-old girl, and most recently a 9-month-old girl. So we are busy. My wife is a nurse. Uh, she's working on her nurse practitioner right now. Uh, she finished her semester in Ju- uh, July 26th. So she's actually with the kids up in Pennsylvania. I drove them up on Saturday, came back here last night, and I'm going back tomorrow uh, to be with them, and then we're coming back Sunday. Uh, Her sister is about to have a baby in September. They've had a a very difficult time, and uh, she's going to have a baby shower. So it's a a huge celebration time right now for our family. Uh, But as I think about children, did you ever, those of you that have children, have you ever wished that there were individualized instructions for that young person? Boy, do I ever. Uh, when, when, our first one, when our first child was born, his name is Cade. Uh, he, he was born, and my wife was working Saturday night. Uh, she's a nurse again. Uh, she was working Saturday night. She would go to church Sunday morning, sleep a couple hours, and work Sunday night. And it was a difficult schedule. She was off eight weeks. And so uh, when she was working nights... I had the baby, and that got real interesting real quick. Uh, That first night, I remember feeding Cade, and it, you know, he's choking on the bottle, and it's not good. And I'm calling Lacey at three o'clock in the morning saying, What do I do? I don't know what to do. You know, like, I can't do this parenting thing. She's like, You're in too deep. We've got to keep going. We've got to keep going. So, so that was one of those moments where you're like, Okay, I just, I got to be tough and, and get through this. Uh, but but as, you, as you go through, you realize there's not individual instructions. But there are instructions for each of us individually. Amen. Right? And it comes from God's Word. 
And so there's practical things that I think we can learn. Uh, I don't know if any of you have, has anybody heard of George Barna and the Barna research that he's done? Amazing research. And so I'm going to read you a little bit with this uh, research that he did. He said, kids these days are shaped by watching their parents. That's the takeaway from the CRC at Arizona Christian University. It's the Cultural Research Center. He said, in the latest survey, young children are watching their parents, they're listening to their parents, and they're trying to put those two things together. The problem is they're seeing a contradiction between word and deed. The conclusion we discovered that children draw is, what a shame, my parents seem as confused as I am. So this faith that they're talking about must not have the answers. And I gave you a handout here, and there's some statistics that I was like, what? When you really start doing the research. The statistics are appalling. Among American parents of children under age 13, so this is just American parents, only 2% have a biblical worldview. And even among self-identified born-again Christians, the number is only 8%. We're doing something wrong. So between 15 to 18 months of age is when most children start forming their worldview. 15 to 18 months, that's a year and three months to a year and a half. They're starting to form this worldview that they're, that they're getting. By the age of 13, their worldview is almost completely in place. We have a short window to work with these young people in their Christian worldview. Because if by age 13, it's already mostly established, we've got some work to do. So, Barna says, uh, the questions that he used, and here's the questions, and I thought, whoa. The questions were about biblical inerrancy. They were about the character of God, the life of Christ, absolute moral truth, and salvation by faith. The things that we here would say, that's pretty basic. And there's only 8% of Christian parents that are giving a biblical worldview. He said, just because parents aren't consciously building their children's worldview doesn't mean one isn't forming. What a statement. A child needs a worldview, so if we don't help them develop it, somebody will. A worldview isn't just what you believe, said Barna. It's also how you behave because you do what you believe. When confronted with the bleak outlook that Barna's data show, we have two options. We can be paralyzed by anxiety and fear over what America is becoming, or we can trust that God, as always, will use these circumstances for His glory. He said, we have a remnant of about 15 million adults across the country that have a biblical worldview, and God always uses remnants. What a great statement. God always uses remnants. So my my first question here, well, second question, I guess, is when is the best time to teach our young people? Well, let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 real quick. There's two verses in Deuteronomy, and it's Deuteronomy 6, 7, and Deuteronomy eleven nineteen, And it says, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. The, the, the second verse, Deuteronomy eleven nineteen, 19, says almost the same exact thing. So when is it? Every moment of every day. 
while you're raising these children, there isn't any vacation. Brother Dan thinks I'm always on vacation. Every time he calls me, he's like, hey, where you at? I'm like, uh, Florida, <laughs> Pennsylvania, uh, stop calling me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we, it, we always joke back and forth, but we, we can't take vacations on raising our young people. And so what is our goal? Is our goal, well, if we raise a child and they're not in jail and they're a productive member of society, we've done a good job. No, our goal should be not be goodliness. Our goal should be godliness. And again, I'm standing here saying, I am not by any stretch of the imagination a perfect parent. And I've got a ton of things to learn. So I'm, I'm looking at myself saying, Ryan, you've got a long way to go in these things as you're talking about this, because I do. But I think there's four ways that we can train our children, and this, this isn't a complete list, but four ways that we can train our children that will make an impact for them in their godliness, not just their goodliness. The first thing is the gospel. The gospel and the implications of it. Everything we do, obviously I'm a Christian school administrator, and I hope that everything that we do at the Christian school, Wilson Christian Academy, points back to Jesus Christ. Everything we do. Are we perfect at it? No. Talk to the teachers today about the opportunity, setting the right environment to be able to share Christ as much as we can with these young people. But the gospel and the implications of it, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 7, says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. He was seen as Cephas. And it goes through all these things. But the gospel of Christ died for you, and that was a very costly sacrifice. It, it wasn't just this, he came down and he died for you. No, he left everything. He left perfection to come be with his creation so that he could die for them. It's an amazing love. And so if we really get them to understand that the gospel has implications, there's a couple things. First of all, the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel. As we look at Barna's research, we realize that there's five questions there. And one of the things was the inerrancy of God's word. That is held in huge question mark today in our society. But this word will stand forever. It's inerrant. It's not going to change. And so we have to realize that we've got to teach them the Bible is complete truth. You can trust it. It's okay. But not just you, you tell them, hey, you can trust this. How can we trust it? How is God working in your lives? But the second thing that I see is the gospel gives accountability. How does the gospel give accountability? It gives accountability because it shows us that we need a Savior. We need something bigger than ourselves. And, and I think a lot of times, um, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but a lot of times kids are told, hey, you know, just go out, try your best, everything's okay. You know, we're not going to get to heaven by trying. We're not going to get to heaven by good works. We're going to get to heaven because of Christ alone. So it holds us accountable. And that's why, that's why I talk to the teachers today in classrooms, uh, at home. Are your kids being held accountable? 
Are your grandkids being held accountable? Like I said, grandparents, you're, you're not done. My, my parents, uh, they live very close to us. Obviously, uh, my dad is now my assistant administrator. You talk about interesting. That gets interesting. Uh, but so, you know, they're over there at their house. Our kids are over at their house fairly often, not a ton, but fairly often. And I'm always saying if they don't do what they're supposed to do, they need to be held accountable. Call them out. It's okay. Help, help us in this parenting process. So as you think about this, if you're not raising kids, but you have grandkids, help your, help your grandkids out. Help your kids out. But the third thing is, they need to see evidences that this Bible is true, that the gospel is true. There's so many things that, that uh, I mean, even in creation, I was telling the teachers this morning, uh, my sister lives on Chincoteague Island in Virginia. So there's Assateague Island, Chincoteague Island, and they have wild ponies. And so we were there last weekend, and on Monday morning she said, well, uh, Sunday she said, hey, tomorrow morning, do you want to get up and go for a bike ride out to the beach and watch them take these horses down the beach? And there's a bunch of people. Has anybody seen that or been there or been a part of it? Anybody been a part of it? I see you smiling. No? No? Anybody? There's a, seen it? There's a bunch of people there. It is cool. Uh, there was an Amish family that was right next to us, and uh, the boy had an ark encounter, so I started talking to them. It was really neat. But we go out there, and we're sitting on the beach, uh, and we're waiting for them. And this, Have you seen the little ghost crabs? Anybody? They're like white crabs, and they bury themselves in the sand, right? And, and I was looking at it, and I was watching it. I was watching it close, and it had one little eye pointing up out of the sand. You couldn't see anything about the crab. had one little black beady eye right there, right? And it's watching everything. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. So, you know, the kid in me, I'm like, grab a stick, kind of like poke it, right? See it come out, and it comes out, and it's all like looking around. And it has these two little arms, and the little arms go like a windshield wiper. And I was like, whoa, did you see that? Right, so it buries itself, comes out, does this little, and I was like, man's design is almost always mimicking God's design. And I was like, oh, that is cool. I got to tell my kids about that, right? So all these little things. So, so my question is, are we talking about the evidences? I love my, my son, for the longest time, uh, we would say, he would say, there's the moon. And I was like, whose moon is it? It's God's moon. So for the longest time, there's God's moon. You know, it's like little things, but I'm like, that's kind of cool. He realizes uh, that there's things that we have to um, debunk in our society. The little shows that they're seeing. Millions of years ago. Wait, 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 hold up, hold up. And so we always do our best, you know, because there are some things that are really interesting, but when they say millions of years ago, I always see my kids go, <laughs> looking at me like, Dad, you going to say it? Yep, I am. Is it millions of years ago? No, God created it. Perfect, right? So let's train them in these. Again, am I perfect in this? No. And I'll share with you uh, one of my not-so-good moments here in, in a little bit. But there's so many evidences that we can give. What about the creation, the, the answers in Genesis stuff? The, uh, my friend uh, is getting his doctorate in, in science, and he did a couple of videos in Alaskan animals, and they are awesome, right? So having your kids, what are your kids putting in their minds? Are they putting evidences of the Bible, or are they putting these things in, in their minds that are going to make them question stuff? We've got to be careful. Now, uh, the second thing is that I think we need to train them in is interpersonal relationships. Interpersonal relationships. 
Why is that important? Because everything goes back to step one. The Gospel. If our relationship is right with Christ, we have a greater opportunity to have a relationship, a good relationship, with those that are around us. So, our, inter, our interpersonal relationships are super important. Uh, in Ephesians, we see in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, how, how the, there's... there's uh, let's go to Ephesians 6 real quick, because I do, I do want to read that. Ephesians chapter 6. It says, Children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. It's an interesting promise. Obey your parents so you can have a longer life. Right? There's obedience for a reason. Why? Because the things that we're trying to do as parents, we're not trying to ruin their lives by telling them, you've got to obey, you've got to do this. Don't do that. Don't, you know, stay away from that. Why are we telling them that? Because we want them to have a longer life. We want them to enjoy their life better because the mistakes that we made, we really don't want them making, right? They don't need to experience the mistakes to realize, oh, wait, that was a mistake. So as you go through this, and you fathers, this is a big one. Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's kind of, you know, for me, that's one of the things that, because I like to joke around. I love to goof around. And sometimes you poke just a little bit too far, and you're like, ugh, that was a bad parenting move right there, right? <laughs> so you got to go back to Ephesians 6, and fathers provoke not your children to wrath. And so uh, obedience, number one there, obedience to parents comes because of our obedience to Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, submit yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. Why are we obeying? Because we're supposed to submit ourselves one to another. We're, we're obeying because the Lord told us in Ephesians 6, honor your father and mother. Obey your parents. So that's why. But here's a couple questions to ask ourselves. I ask myself this often. Uh, and first of all, as parents, are you on the same page with each other? Because if you're not, you're teaching your children for down the road, it's okay if you're not on the same page as, as, as your spouse. And that's a, that's a big deal. We need to be on the same page. And if you're not, don't do it in front of kids, but go talk about it. Hey, how are we not on the same page? How do, we, how do we believe about this? Biblically, what should we be doing in this instance? Be on the same page as, as parents. The second one, do you say, and I'm talking to me as a dad, do you say sorry when you're wrong? Boy, that's tough. The other night, I was... Uh, my, my, well, he won't watch this. He's too young. Uh, my eight-year-old takes a bean bag and throws it, not thinking, and hit my daughter square in the eye. She's five, and she loses it, right? She's crying. And I came in, and I'm, you know, and I let him have it. And what I said was right. How I said it was wrong. I was just, I was too quick. I was too quick. And I went, ooh. That hurt. And I went back to him, and I said, and again, this is, this is one of the good things I did. Not all the, at, at the end, again, I, I make mistakes, but I said, hey, Blaine, what Daddy said was 100% right on. 
how I said it was 100% wrong. I should not talk to you like that. I was too quick. We've got to say we're sorry. Why? Because that teaches them that when we disappoint God, it's okay to go to God and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I need help. Right? So, but then uh, the third one, are you seeing glimpses of getting through to them? Right? So here's, here's a, a last week, one of those glimpses that I was like, thank you, Lord, for that. Um, our youngest, or our oldest, struggled with lying. Right? And if you see him, don't you tell him I said this. <laughs> he struggled when he was a kid with lying. And we really worked on it. You have got to be honest. Daddy wants you to be honest more than anything. If you do something wrong, you've got to be honest. And then you go, am I even getting through to them? Has anybody ever thought that? Is this even getting through? I came home the other night, and he said, Dad. And I was like, okay. He's like, can you come sit on the couch? My 10-year-old. I'm like, all right. Uh, it's a business deal. Like, we about, Am I about to make $10? Uh, like, am I going to do it? I don't know what's going on. So he sits down, and he, said, and he starts crying. And he said, Daddy, I lied to you. I, I like... I wanted to like run around the house, right? Like, yes, he's getting it. Why? Because right here was what was getting him. And I said, Cade, you know I never would have found out. He said, but I knew. And I was like, there's the glimpse I'm looking for. There's the glimpse. Now, is he a perfect kid? No, not a perfect kid. But it's starting to get through that the, the truth of the gospel, honoring Christ is the most important thing in life. Does he have a long way to go? Don't we all? Yeah, he's not a perfect kid. But I was like, man, I saw a glimpse. So my question to you is, are you seeing glimpses? Because if, you, if, you work, if you're not, give it time. Work on these things. Give it time. And you're going to start to see glimpses of like, maybe I'm doing something correct. Okay, so now, now look at the third thing. Teach them how to follow and how to lead. I don't think that you can be a good leader unless you know how to be a good follower. And I think when we see the, the, the things of Christ, if we're looking at Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 20 says, like I said, I'm, a, I'm not a preacher, so I, I always forget, and later I think, probably should have put a little sticky note in that, that area right there. Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 to 28 but Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Hey, fathers, how are we doing? Are we there so that we can be the authoritarian are we there so we can serve? Teach your kids how to serve. Is it easy? No. And I'm not trying to step on toes. I'm, I am like number one at the top of the list of not being great at these things. But we've got to teach them how to serve. How to serve, how to serve their mama. How to serve their brother and sister. How to serve the Lord. How to be at church and serve. I honestly, this is my personal opinion, and I'm not, I don't try to put much opinion in there, but I believe that one of the reasons we're losing our young people 
is because we're not teaching them how to serve in the church. So when they leave church, why do I need to be there? I don't really have any part of it. We've got to teach them how to serve in the church. And so we've got to teach them how to serve others. Teach them how to be under authority. Let me tell you, that's a tough one. That's a tough one for all of us. Because there's a lot of things sometimes that as I'm reading this word, I think, I don't like that. Why? Because it sure steps on my toes. Right? It hurts. But I've got to be under the authority of the word of God. I love it. And I don't like it at the same time. Do, Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I love hearing that. Like, wow, that's really good. Boy, that hurt. Cut me right there, right? So we've, we've got to teach them how to be under authority. And then also we've got to teach them, we've got to teach them how to lead. How, so how do we do this? Teach them how to serve. Serve others, serve your family. Teach them how to be under authority. Are we under the authority to Christ? Are we under the authority of our boss? When we get in the car leaving from church, are we under the authority of God's word? Are we, right? The kids hear that. They see it. So we've got to be under the authority. We've got to teach them how to be leaders. How can we teach them how to be leaders? When they're, in the, when they're young, these are some of the things that like, I, I've got to do better at. But teaching them how to, Daddy, why do I have to take out the trash? Like, you have to take out the trash? Because that's why I had kids. Uh, you know, like, that, not really. But, you know, like, that's not a great response. Why do you have to take the trash? Because you've got to learn responsibility. You've you got to learn how to lead. There's things that you have to do when you're a leader that you might not want to do. Dirty jobs, things that you don't want to do. Teach them how to lead. Teach them how to take on more things. And then the last thing, stewardship. Teach them in stewardship. And the, the three there, and I'll kind of go through a couple of these. Their time, their talent, their treasure. We've all heard it. Their time, their talent, their treasure. But what do I mean by that? Train, train them how to give of their time. Have you heard these sayings? There just aren't enough hours in the day. How many of you feel that way sometimes? I just can't get it all done. How about this one? It's like a roll of paper towels. The closer it gets to the end, the quicker it goes. Anybody felt that way? I feel that way sometimes with parenting. I'm like, oh, I don't have much time left. The other day we're driving and Lacey said, you realize in 10 years we're going to have a 20-year-old, an 18-year-old. I was like, stop it. Don't say that I'm going to start crying. You know, like I'm the softy. But wow, in 10 years, that's crazy. We have a short amount of time, but teach them. Here's the other one. Here's another saying. Remember for our kids, love is spelled T-I-M-E. It's not, and I added this in there, T-H-I-N-G-S. It's not things. It's time. We can't buy their love. We've got to spend the time training and teaching them. Is that tough? Yeah, we live in a a very fast-paced society. And it's tough to get all these. But just... If nothing else, you've got to have it at least uh, in your mind of things to do, right? What, what about of their talents, their sports, their piano, their instruments? Uh, I had the opportunity to play basketball at Pensacola Christian College. Um, I loved my time there. And uh, now I'm old and slow. I can't play basketball. Uh, I found out the other day that I hold a record still for the, the most threes made in a career. I was like, well, that's cool. I didn't really care. Uh, but I, I thought, you know, all that stuff is gone, but I'll tell you what I do remember is I remember one of, our, uh, one of my friends leading a person to the Lord at center court after one of our games, and he was giving out tracts. You know, we, we, would, we would go to malls, and we would give out tracts, and we would, we would tell people, like, like, I remember those things. 
those are the things that are going to last way longer than the, than the talents that, they, that they're given. And we also have to realize that those talents have been given by God alone. Not because, yeah, do they work hard? Absolutely. And should they work hard? 100% they should work hard. Because the Bible says, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God, not to the glory of us. And then the last thing that I have is how to give of their treasure. Okay, so, but, but what do I mean of that? How, one, of, you know, uh, one of the things that, that I think we miss is the Bible says that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from mommy and daddy. Does the Bible say that? Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from mom and dad? No. The Bible says it comes down from the Father of lights. It comes down from God. So are we training them as, you know, when they say, hey, pretty cool that we can go on this vacation. Yes, it is. But who gave us the opportunity to go on this vacation? Who gave us the finances to go on this? Uh, that's something that my parents did a great job instilling in, in us. Uh, they lived, my dad was a Christian school administrator. My mom worked at the school. They had next to nothing. But what they always did was they would say, we've got to trust the Lord. And there would be time after time after time that got, my dad would go to his, his mailbox uh, at the school and there'd be $1,000 in there. And nobody knew it, but there was $1,000 in bills that they'd have. There was a, they built a house that they, they said, we don't know how we're going to do it. There was a $1,500 well. I remember this. And on Monday, he called the guy and said, hey, I just need a little bit more time. Oh, brother, we, we did that for you for free. We forgot to tell you. You can't tell me that that's not God. Right? And so are we talking of these things? And when we go back to Deuteronomy, and it says, teach them when you lie down, when you rise up, all throughout life and all throughout the day, are we training our grandchildren and are we training our children that every good thing comes from God? It doesn't come from us because it all goes back to the simplicity of the gospel. The gospel and the implications of it. If they gain the whole world and lose their own soul, what good is it for? So we have a huge responsibility. We've got a great opportunity. And sometimes uh, there's a saying that often opportunity is disguised as hard work. Opportunity is disguised as hard work. It's hard work being a parent. And it's hard work training them in the truths of God's Word. But as Luke 12.48 says, For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. May God help us as parents and grandparents, because grandparents, you're just as much in this fight as we are. Help them understand the truths of God's Word. And if you look at that and go, I can't do all of those. Take one or two things. That's why I did a handout. Take one or two things just as a reminder of, okay, let's talk about what God's done for us. How can we learn to teach them how to pray? Teach them how to read God's Word. Teach them how to talk of godly things. So what, how are we doing as parents? I know I could do a whole lot better, but as I really studied through this and prayed through this, I felt like the Lord was was putting that on my heart. There's four really practical, important areas that we as parents, that we as grandparents, can instill in our kids because we are the remnant. And I really want that 8% to go a little bit higher. Right? We can do it. 
Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.